0: Look into the mirror of the body. How have we dealt the body because that is your biggest armor? How can, can you live with your own mind? Now that all those external engagements or all those external redirections have been taken away, can you live with your mind? Is your mind a fragrant space?
1: Hello and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Duchess Marmet. We created
2: the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge.
1: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello,
2: and welcome to episode 87 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to let you know that we'll be running our fall seven-day liver detox beginning Sunday, September 19th, and it'll run through September 25th. We'd love to have you join us, and the sign-up link is in our show notes and on our website, www.theartoflivingwell.us. We also want to ask that if you're enjoying this podcast, if you could please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes just two minutes, and it really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and resources that we share each week. If you enjoy this episode, we'd also love it if you would share it with a friend, family member, or anyone who you may think will benefit from this information. And with that, we are so excited to welcome today's guest, Indu Aurora. Indu, an Ayurveda and yoga therapist, considers herself a student for lifetime. She has been sharing about yoga philosophy, yoga therapy, and Ayurveda since 1999. She is inspired by and taught under Kriya Yoga, Himalayan Yoga, Kashmir Shivazam, and Shivanandi Yoga lineages. She has studied both yoga and Ayurveda in a traditional guru setting. Her teaching style is rooted in empowering and inspiring students to awaken their inner guru. Her core philosophy is, nothing has the greatest power to heal but self. In our conversation today with Indu, we cover so many topics. The overarching theme is really rest as self-care. We talk about, we dive into Ayurveda and some of the Ayurvedic principles. We talk about her new book, Soma, and what the title means and some of the self-care rituals that she shares in the book. And we dive into yoga practice, the physical practice, the mental practice, and even a little bit about mudras and what they are and how they work. Indu shares so many tips and strategies on how to manage self-care in your daily life, and we are excited to dive right in with Indu. But first, a quick word from our new sponsor, The Healthy Place, an online and brick and mortar supplement store based in Wisconsin. We know how overwhelming and confusing shopping for vitamins and supplements can be, and many people start taking supplements without understanding what their body needs. It is so important to ensure that the supplements you're taking are high quality, free of common allergens, GMOs, and third-party tested, so you know that what you are putting in your body is actually what it states on the bottle. We recently sat down and chatted with the founder of The Healthy Place, Tim O'Brien, whose mission as a company is to impact, empower, and educate every customer to learn, grow, and create a lifelong foundation of health and wellness. Both Tim and his wife and co-owner, Becky, strive to inspire their customers to make healthy changes that will impact every area of their life. And we couldn't agree more with their values.
1: One of the things that sets the healthy place apart from the other places that you can buy supplements from is their team of wellness consultants who are ready to help you find the highest quality product. They won't just find you a product for what you believe you may need, They ask questions to understand the underlying condition that you're trying to address, and they really guide and educate you on your journey to find wellness. And now they have an online chat feature that duplicates the level of service that you get from their in-person store, allowing you to receive personalized service from the comfort of your home. Some common ailments they love helping customers address include chronic pain, stress, anxiety, sleep issues, and even energy and immunity. We were so impressed with their genuine desire to help educate and motivate their customers to get to the root of their issue and address it in a very holistic way. Another benefit we love about FindYourHealthyPlace.com is that they carry many different vetted brands so that you are not stuck with one brand or product to try. So head on over to FindYourHealthyPlace.com and chat with an online wellness consultant. You can use code LIVINGWELL for 30% off the full price of your supplement purchase.
2: Hi, Indu. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. We are both so honored and excited to have you here. I met you a couple of years ago during my yoga teacher training, and you were really the first person to introduce me to the concept and even the word Ayurveda. And I remember I was so fascinated on the topic when I started to learn about it, and I immediately wanted to dive deeper. And I remember very clearly asking you like tons and tons of tons of questions during the session, and I went on to read a bunch of books. And anyway, so just welcome, and thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much, Marnie and Stephanie, for having me at the Art of Living Well podcast. What a delight, what a wonderful name, and a very good day to all the listeners who are listening to this podcast.
2: Thank you. First of all, we'd like to start off hearing about you share your journey and what led you to pursue your career as both a yoga therapist and an Ayurvedic teacher, healer, and also author of so many books.
0: What led to that journey? That's, I think that's a very important question. In my case, I think it's the the environment, the the upbringing that really reinforced the value of uh, what to eat and how to seasonally change it. Learning it from my mother, living in a joint family 17 plus people, you know, in India, it's very common to live in a joint family. The listeners who may not know about it, it's, 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 it's fun, it's dynamic. You get to learn so much from so many people. You have so much support system and you have so many influences. So I got the influence of my paternal uncles and my, and my grandmother. So all of that influence of how to use the herbs and the spices and the food seasonally and the practice of contemplation, the practice of uh, breathing right, the practice of resting right. I saw my father practicing yoga, whether it is through the practice of asanas or contemplation, or my mother starting the day with the chanting of mantras. I think it was an influence that very early on shaped my life. And that was a passive learning. Uh, It was not, I was not so much actively involved, but I do remember very early on, right from the age of seven to eight, I had a journal in which I used to write down recipes, whatever my grandmother is sharing, my mother is sharing for simple things. I was always very curious about it, that, oh my God, such simple things can help you restore balance or take care of your cough or pain or fever. So, Maybe I can say that my curiosities were a little different. <laughs> it was more about journaling these things, and I remember this this image in my mind that you know my father practicing headstand and me just watching through the half side of the door and giggling that why he had to watch the world upside down when he can stand <laughs> on his feet, <laughs> you know. As a, as a, as a, As a child, it's all funny, right? You know, why is he putting this oil in the nostril or why is he breathing like this, you know, alternately? So, all these things were funny, but also very, it made me inquisitive. And I used to make notes. And uh, so, I would say that influence shaped on. And when the opportunity came, it was so clear that this is the path to follow. It was not even a question, and it has never been a question, and I can see myself till my last breath just being a curious learner and sincerely following the path and sharing to the best of my ability.
1: Wow, thank you for sharing that, and I think as parents, and you know, Marty and I are both parents, and a lot of our listeners are parents. I'm just sort of envisioning this family life and really how we can instill that curiosity and the love of learning, like this curious learner. Really, as parents, that's all we want from our kids, right? And this passion that you have and this gift that you're now giving to the world. So it's very inspirational, even just in this opening of you sharing your journey. So thank you for that. Well, and also, I just want to add on to that, like thinking about just as you were
2: describing the way you were raised and the things your parents were doing, and then thinking about How I was raised in a pretty typical American household. My dad went to work, my mom, you know, did her thing, and and then my brother and our dog were in the house, but nobody else. And just what a difference.
0: Yes, yes. And it's, I would also like to say to all the parents, aspiring parents, those who nurture anyone or mother anyone, that your efforts count. Maybe you don't see the result yet in your kids. Maybe they are not living those principles right now. It takes time. You're planting seeds. Just trust your upbringing. In the right time, it will show up.
1: That's such beautiful. And I think it makes everyone feel good because as parents, we can doubt ourselves. But I like that you said it was passive learning. And I always say, like, our kids are just absorbing right now. They're not going to do what we're what we're doing or what maybe what we want them to do on any given day. They're doing what they innately should be doing that's age appropriate, but come, like we're planting the seeds for future. That's just a wonderful way to kick off this conversation. So we ha- we'd love to talk for you to just share a little bit about what Ayurveda is. And we've talked about it on a couple different podcasts um, at different points, but not diving into maybe all the intricacies and give give our listeners a w- easy way to understand how using these ayurvedic principles can help us live a healthy way and just using some of these tools for self care that you already started to even pepper in
0: there are many different ways stephanie to explain something what ayurveda is can be explained in one sentence and maybe one year is not enough of conversing <laughs> conversation around it and i mean it because a typical Ayurvedic Vaidya, which is equivalent to a Western medical doctor study, involves around five plus years of learning. It's not a 100, 200 hour course. Yet, I would like to share with you and to all the listeners that it is within reach for each and everyone. Ayurveda is the art of living well. May I bring them back to the name of your podcast? It is the art of living well. It is the art of observation and not just living a life uh, in a passive way where you're not interacting. It is the art of observing that how the sun is rising and how is it impacting my breathing, my body temperature, my appetite. So then how do I choose what I'm going to eat? Or in the midday afternoon when the sun is so strong and do I feel tired or fatigued? So maybe my body is pointing me towards taking rest. Or in the evening, if it is summers and the days are long, so how do I change the time of the activities? It's really about observing. That is this basic saying about Ayurveda that it is based on this principle of, and I'm going to say it in Sanskrit and then I'm going to explain it. Yatha pinde, tatha brahmande. Yatha means as is. Pind means your body, your being. Tatha means so is. Brahmande, which means macrocosm. So your microcosm, your body is a miniature macrocosm and the macrocosm is an expanded microcosm. And it, is, it may be to some extent easier to intellectually understand it, but there is a gap between intellectualization and realization. When we really start observing that the, these rhythms of day and night, these rhythms of season really have a tangible effect on the body, on the breath, on the emotions, on the mind, and we start coming in coherence, in harmony with that, that is Ayurveda. Yes, it is about five elements, bodies made up by five elements, and so on and so forth. As I said, it is really the art of living well by observing and therefore making changes accordingly. Having the courage to make those changes accordingly. I
2: love the way you just described that. I've never heard it described that way. Oh. You know, oftentimes people will get into the doshas, your constitution and all of that. So I really like the way you explain that. Thank you.
0: Yes. You know, it's, it's, as I mentioned, it's easier to grasp it that way, Marni. It's easier to grasp it five elements, three doshas, but what I have observed in my limited uh, knowledge is it create boxes.
2: Mm-hmm. I am
0: Vata. This is Pitta. Yes. This is Safa. And this food is Vata. This now In a family, even if we are nuclear families and we are one plus, right? One plus, there is someone else living with us. That person is physically, pranically, mentally different than us. Mm-hmm. So how do you practically bring in Ayurveda? In such such a living situation, you will become, in a way, obsessed with what is the content of this food. And it will just make us move more towards products, right? Whether it is food or something to apply or something to do, it will pull us outward, but not in a way where we come together practically, not putting things into boxes, This, I feel, makes us empowered. Each one of us observe, listen to the body. See, when you eat this kind of food, heavy, creamy, or spicy, or sour, what does your body say? Because the body does say it is a dialogue, not a monologue. Mm -hmm. But we are so used to monologues. Yes. Part
1: of what I love about the philosophies is that you're not only one thing all the time, all year long. So it's understanding the different doshas just because I'm maybe more vata than pitta. It doesn't mean that you still still shouldn't understand what brings you in balance, out of balance, because sometimes having the understanding and the awareness, because you're listening to your body and having those like tools and skills in your toolbox, then you can tap into them when you know you're feeling a little bit out of balance. And I Mm -hmm. like that you said, like not putting you into a box of because we do that with everything. I'm this. So therefore I have to do
0: something one way. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. not listening to your body innately, right? Yes. And that is just, as you very well mentioned, someone, it's so easier to then say, oh, I'm so vatafied," or this is so <laughs> Oh my God, you are so kapha. But aren't we using the knowledge for creating judgments then instead of yes. empowerment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this really the purpose of knowledge? Let us all take a moment and think about it, that the terminologies came later on. Interesting, isn't it? The the understanding of what we are and what nature is came much before we could verbalize it, vocalize it, express it using terms. Can we go back to that innate inherent compass that we all have and not get fixated and boxed into certain names and then create a distance? And then it almost becomes in a way unapproachable That only if I do this, only if I learn this subject in this setting, then I understand Ayurveda.
2: Well, and it's also confusing because, you know, there's this work you can do, like you're talking about where you're observing and making changes. But then there's also like, I think of like an Ayurveda, Ayurvedic practitioner, which I went to see one just because I was curious. And you know, they they felt my pulse, which I was very fascinated by, and then were telling me what's going on in my body based on what they felt. So when you talk about it, it almost sounds like you're talking about observing yourself and doing work on yourself, but there's also this whole other branch where you could like, I don't know if branch is the right word, but section, whatever, where you could go see like an actual doctor, if you want to call it a doctor, I don't know, where they could also help you, right? Am I saying that right?
0: <laughs> yes, couple of things, uh, Marni, and all of those who are listening. It's very interesting, the word for doctor in Ayurveda is vedya, V-A-I-D-Y-A, where the root of this word is vid, V-I-D, which means to know. And not just someone who knows, but someone who empowers through knowledge, someone who is not just giving a prescription of these many herbs to take at this time of the day, or this mm-hmm. panchakarma, or where this stone, someone who empowers you through knowledge. So essentially, in from the Ayurvedic lens, a doctor is an educator, not just someone who prescribes, that is one. And yes, you are absolutely right. That is something which is everyday Ayurveda, which is for all of us to observe and to live well. And there is a kind of, there is a kind of understanding of Ayurveda that really goes deep into, and that is helpful when we have abused our everyday life enough or lived it with what we say in Ayurveda, Pragna aparadha which means the crime of intelligence. When we know that after eating uh, this hot food, I am going to suffer or I'm going to break out into a rash, but because my association with how it feels on my tongue is so strong, I overwrite what my body is saying and I keep doing that crime of intelligence. When we do that for long time enough, then we need to go and see an Ayurvedic Vedya who is once again, Marni, let's connect. What does the Vedya do? checks your pulse. What does the pulse say? The pulse tells you the rhythm. And how? And the, let's go back to what I'm talking about, that it is all about rhythm. Rhythm of seasons, rhythm of day and night. And when we do not calibrate ourselves on a regular basis to that, that is when it leads to dis-ease, disassociation with ease in the body, mind, and breath. And it shows up. And that's what the Vedya is checking through your pulse at seven different levels, with seven different levels of pressure in 10 different directions to really check what is going on. But really in an everyday life until we really abuse our system, we don't need that. We just need to start living well with awareness, with observation, observation, having a dialogue, not a monologue with the body.
2: Wow, I love the way you explained all of that, very clear. Okay. Well, I'd like to change gears a little bit and talk about your ebook, Soma. Is it pronounced Soma? Yes, that's correct. I'd love to know what the title means. And also if you could share about some of the self-care rituals in the book. I had a chance to look at it last night and I really enjoyed
0: reading it. So this book, Soma, Is inspired by my childhood days. As I shared with you and with the listeners that in my childhood, I had this unique curiosity to journal those recipes, those remedies, those philosophies that was shared by my grandmother, by my father, by my mother, anyone who mothered me, anyone who parented me. So I used to make notes. And growing up, I continued making with this journal, with studying from my yoga guru or from my Ayurveda guru and many other people, uh, teachers that I've met in my life. So I continued the journal and until this 2020 happened, that was the time I felt that, oh my god, self-care is so misinterpreted. So this title Soma 100 Heritage Recipes for Self-Care these are not just things that you can cook up in your kitchen. These are recipes, remedies, and practices to live by on an everyday basis. And these hundred recipes are described in the book in a very ordinary language. You know, that, that one, if one just looks at the title, they would know, okay, this is for me, or this is not for me. And the word suma means lunar nectar. The word soma means the coolness, the calmness, the nurturing energy of the moon, of the lunar light, and of the night. That which really brings our mind to a peaceful state. My teacher used to say that make your mind a fragrant one. Now, think about it. It's the mind of a person that stinks the most, isn't it? (laughs) It It is the stinkiest place. Therefore, it is also the most fragrant place. That when when someone is at peace in their mind, when someone is sorted, reflective, contemplative, which means someone who contemplates about life on an everyday basis, there is a certain level of mental digestion that happens. And in the presence of that person, there is a certain peace or fragrance that ripples out. And that piece, that fragrance is Soma. And that is the Soma I received from from all those who mothered me. And that is what I wish to extend to all those who would like to live Ayurveda, who would like to practice it in everyday life and do things in a way that it really brings quality in everyday life. That is what it's all about.
1: Well, it's a beautiful book and I love how it's divided up into these different sections and you based it based on your circadian rhythm and rituals and recipes. So can we dive into that a little bit more? I think it'd be great for our listeners to, you know, give them just a snippet or a preview of what they can expect in these self-care rituals that are so important to bring that peace and calm um, into your life. And I think, like you said, we all need more self-care. And I know, you know, Marnie and I talk about self-care a lot on this podcast and it's not just going to the spa once a month or a massage or something. It's, it's critical
0: and necessary. Right. So I'd love for you to like expand on that. To me, self-care is what we do on an everyday basis. And as you mentioned, I would add to it Stephanie and Marnie that self-care is not what we do once in a month or once in a while going for a vacation or taking a digital break or, Uh, you know, uh, going for a massage, that is all, that's all good. I'm not saying there is a value in that, but let's not equate it as self-care. Self-care is not a responsibility that you push on something else to take care of you. Self-care comes with self-responsibility, not by pushing it to a massage therapist, to an acupuncturist, to an Ayurvedic practitioner, or to anyone else from outside, it is about simply how do we wake up? Are we, are we giving ourselves the opportunity to wake up with ease. So many times I've heard you know, uh, this response that, oh my God, I have to wake up and just get going, or I wake up with an alarm clock, or I wake up with things to do, or I, or I wake up tired, or I wake up exhausted, or it's very difficult for me to wake up. Why all of this is happening? It is just a very natural, it's the most natural thing that happens that we wake up and we go to bed. These are the two things that balances our solar and lunar rhythm, just these two things. So, and it's so interesting, modern science is now catching up and maybe many of our listeners may be aware of this term circadian rhythm, where circa means circular or that goes on in a loop and dn means the day which means that which goes on in a loop in a 24-hour cycle. And there is that external circadian rhythm that is regulated by the sun, an internal circadian rhythm, uh, which means we have an internal rhythm also. But that internal rhythm, when calibrated with the external rhythm, that really brings harmony or health, which is called the state of swastha. The one who is established in self, not just someone who is just physically healthy or physically strong or puffed up. No, no, no. Swastha means one who is established in self, irrespective of the tides and waves that the body, mind, emotions go through because it is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Everything, the, it's so, and I'm changing it a little bit. The word for body in Sanskrit is sharira and sharira means that which is bound to go through wear and tear so the expectation is set right in the very beginning that the body is bound to go through wear and tear so please shift your compass to something which is more permanent to something which is more eternal to something which is which is more robust and that is your inner self swa so that is that is a definition of health and it the in the modern as per the modern science and modern researches it is a circadian rhythm, which is the main identifier of health in the body. And not just that, it says that modern researchers say that circadian rhythm ba- is based on or can be calibrated with three things. What are those three things? So interesting: diet, lifestyle, rest. Boom. Why and why do why, why am I saying boom? Because in Ayurveda, the three <laughs> pillars of health, it, thousands of years back, has been Diet, lifestyle, rest. And this, what is called circadian rhythm is called dinacharya. What does it mean? Dina means day, charya means that which is a regular routine. So it is exactly in a way the replica of dhinacharya, which is the modern understanding of circadian rhythm. And I see that to some extent, there has been some importance that we are paying to diet and lifestyle. But there is one pillar that is not getting enough importance, that is not being talked about, that is not being understood as a pillar of health, and that is rest, and that is sleep, and that is pause. And circadian rhythm is incomplete without circa lunar rhythm, which means that which is which is affected by the phases of the moon. And the same in Ayurveda, it is not just dinacharya, it is also Ratricharya, and Ratri means night. Night routine. It is not just what you do in the daytime and how you wake up and what you eat, but it is the night routine which actually sets the platform for the day. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the book is divided into things that you can do 10 things that you can do upon waking up, or five things you can do upon waking up, five things you can do before going to bed. Really simple ways so that we not just know, but we realize, we understand that self-care is not expensive. Self-care is not a privilege. Self-care is not luxury. Self-care is swadharma. It is our individual responsibility and the right thing to do. The word dharma is misunderstood. It's misunderstood as the name of a job until I find the right thing to do outside in the world then everything is all right. But really, the definition of dharma is that the, the things that you do to uphold yourself, the things that you do to take care of your body one, the place where you live in, the place where the soul lives in this body, and the second, the place where the body lives, this earth. When you take care of these two things, this is called dharma. Dharma? Where, where are you, is are job? You saying dharma? Yes. Well, how you say dharma? But okay. You know, no, I just want to make sure
2: we're saying the same word. And it's yes. funny that you're mentioning that because when I have heard that word in the past, I think it's like your your purpose. Like, and a lot of times, like my mind does go to like your career or like you know raising your children or whatever. But you're really saying your dharma is really taking care of what's
0: inside of you. Is that, am yes. I understanding that right? Yes. Dharma is twofold. The take care of where you live, this body, and take care of where you live, this earth. And when you take care, when you start, start with this sense of responsibility, it, it, everything sets right because when you are embodied and empowered by being in this body, by the mind being in this body, by the mind being peaceful, soma-like in this body, you will be taking decisions from a discerning mind. Your reactions will naturally change into responses. And that will take care of that. Ripple will keep going out everywhere. So everything that you will do will be virtuous, righteous. It is not one thing that we do. Marni, it is again. Yogic philosophy and Ayurvedic philosophy are not so driven, you know, like modern society that until you attain this or achieve this, you are nothing. It's it's very simple principles of living life don't harm, yoga starts with ahimsa, don't harm. There is a very basic definition of dharma, ahimsa parmo dharma, the highest dharma is nonviolence. So mm-hmm. where is job here? Where is profession? Where is something driven here? In fact, it is, it's about just, just don't cause harm. That's it. That is highest dharma. Don't cause harm to your body. So therefore, mm-hmm. take care of your body.
1: I, I love that. And I think that's almost what's missing for a lot of us is that responsibility and then empowerment, but to focus on being at peace with yourself and not the external world so much, right? And that sort of secondary, the job and the career and all the
0: stuff that people see on the outside, right? Secondary, temporary will change with time. But mm-hmm. the one thing that is constant is, and I am sure many of the listeners would agree that we have we have been in some ways forced to live, look into the mirror in, in the, this pandemic time mm-hmm. that uh, we l- look into the mirror of the body. How have we dealt the body? Because that is your biggest armor. How ca- can you live with your own mind? Now that all those external engagements or all those external uh, redirections have been taken away. Can you live with your mind? Is your mind a fragrant space? So if it is not, and if your body is not healthy, we have been forced to to look into the mirror and face this question, am I at peace in my mind? And am I healthy enough, strong enough in my body to go through turbulent times? And in a way, we have been also assured by mother nature globally to take rest because we have postponed it enough and we have underestimated it uh, as a society, we have favored multitasking. As a society, we have favored that uh, if you can do more things that better, that's better and uh, sleep and rest are not important. You can keep pushing, you can take those energy drinks, or I don't know what all different things are available that can keep you awake at night. And it is as if it's some kind of a superpower yeah.
2: to,
0: to, to not give in to the sleep pressure. Do not listen to your body. It's some kind of super, yay, yeah, I can do it. I gave my more than 100%. First of all, uh, that's an oxymoron. How do you give more than 100%? <laughs> it's just not possible. So how do, why do we say that? Why do we even verbalize something like that and put that pressure on ourselves and on others? It's just not possible. So why do we even say that? And And why we don't understand. And I think, I think, to some, those who were ready to contemplate, to take a pause, to take this as an opportunity to dive in. It has become clear that rest is important and cannot be postponed and cannot be replaced with anything else. Anything, nothing can replace your night sleep Nothing, neither shavasana nor yog nidra, if you're talking about yogic things, nor an herb or a panch karma or a retreat, if you're talking about Ayurveda, they cannot replace sleep. They were not designed to replace sleep. They had a completely different purpose. Can they support us? Absolutely. Can they support us if we have uh, postponed sleep, if we have, Uh, underestimated the power of rest. Can they support? Absolutely. But they are not there that, okay, I'm going to do three times shavasana, so therefore I don't need eight hours of sleep. That is illusion. That Mm -hmm. is not why this tool was designed. Therefore, it won't work. So,
2: So how does a person like unlearn or start to unwind to get back to themselves? How does one unlearn?
0: one learns by first of all, realizing that something needs to be done, that something that's happening in my life, physically, emotionally, in whatever ways, is not sitting well. And when we observe that disharmony, that is when we, instead of pointing out, oh, this person was not right, or this job was not right, or this relationship was not right, and maybe all of these things are true, but somewhere the calibration begins from inside, not from outside. So that is where unlearning begins. By really, you know, sitting with yourself, there is this practice, and I've written about it in this Soma book. In fact, it is the practice number one or recipe number one. It is uh, Mm -hmm. called Atma Tatva Valokanam. And I know this term may be very new for so many listeners. But basically what it means is before you go out, go within. Before you open up your eyes and start about your day. It's not about starting the day with an affirmation or a mantra or a prayer. No, no, no. Start your day with emptiness. Start your day with a moment of diving into the ocean of the heart, which is the seat of the soul. Atma. Tattva. Be Mm -hmm. one with that substance of the soul. Avalokana. Look at it, witness it, witness the substance of the soul that sits in the ocean of the heart, which is the seat of the soul. Just do nothing basically right upon waking up, instead of just opening your eyes and observing what doesn't feel right with the body or the things to do, just bring your awareness to the heart of your heart and think nothing and see nothing and do nothing. Just abide in that space which is filled with silence, stillness, contentment. Make that as your starting point, make that as your baseline so that everything, all the turbulences that happen in the day, you come back to this baseline. And this builds up on reflective awareness. And this reflective awareness will allow you to unlearn will give you the courage to unlearn. Because really learning is about a bunch of unlearning. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really learning is about a bunch of unlearning because we do not discern where do we learn from? Who do we learn Mm -hmm. from? what we read, what we watch, what we study. And we do that unknowingly for a long time, either out of fear or out of comparison or because it's a trend or something is overpowering or a friend is doing it. We just listen to this outside uh, influences and we just keep learning things. And after a while we realize, oh, that was not right or that was wrong or that needs to be changed and really that learning becomes our identity, right? It's not just the money and the time that we have put in it. It becomes in a way who we are. And decades later, we realize, oh, that needs to be changed. And it becomes really a lot of courage is needed to unlearn then at that point. But if we really begin our day with Atma, Vilokanam, and the, before going to bed, we bring this mindful pauses of doing nothing, of thinking nothing, of asking nothing, of praying nothing, of affirming nothing, of taking the sankalpa of nothing, just nothing. Mm -hmm. This is how this universe started as a void. Can we go back to that moment and just kind of reboot our system Mm -hmm. and start from really from that scratch? It will, that ripple will keep, keep coming up in everyday life. And those moments where we, expedience a fork, and we have to make a decision, that stillness, that contentment that became the baseline will help us make responsible decisions, clear decisions from a discerning mind, not a mind impacted by fear, greed, comparison. And that's so,
1: so wonderful. And I think for some people, I'm just thinking of, you know, our our listeners out there, it's so hard for them to just sit and do nothing because we're so distracted by the outside world. And you just gave a very simple way to do that is waking up in the morning before you, you know, do anything. Just think of nothing. But I know for people like even just being in shavasana for three minutes is too much for them. So how do you even suggest and you know to get to that deeper level? And this even gets to you know the physical practice of yoga versus um, really going within and moving to a more spiritual practice.
0: That is a very simple practice pointer in yogic philosophies, which really helps us accept where we are and yet keep moving on to where we could be. And that is called Shane Shane, which means really accepted that we can only take one step at a time. So in the moments when we feel desperate, in the moments where we feel not content with our, uh, progress we remind ourselves that it can only happen one step at a time and yes it's a very it seems like a very abstract practice Stephanie you're absolutely right that do nothing how do I do nothing what if there are so many thoughts coming to my mind in that moment how do I do nothing if if I'm feeling my body if I'm feeling pains and aches let's say in my fingers legs or restlessness or lower backache how do I do nothing there is another philosophy, again, it is, I've talked about it as a recipe, as a remedy in Soma book, and it is called neti neti, not this, not this. That whenever something comes up to your mind, just mentally say neti neti, neti neti, not this. So it's almost like you're redirecting your mind. And it is really not about how long do you stay. It's a, another uh, a simple pointer. And those who are students of Ayurveda, this can be helpful. The lower jaw, our lower jaw represents prakriti, which means that's upper jaw never moves, right? And the concept of purusha is that which is a silent witness. And prakriti is that which moves and create ripples and creates all kinds of permutations and combinations of matter and energy. In the morning, before even opening the eyes, soften the lower jaw, drop it so that there is no movement. And lower jaw represents this different dynamic states of mind, which in Ayurveda and yoga is called Sattva rajas Tamas, clear, turbulent, and dull. Hmm? So you simply drop the lower jaw. And as you drop, soften the lower jaw, imagine your mind dropping in the heart of the heart like a suspended drop of nectar. And just stay there for as long as you can feel that suspension. It might be seconds, it might be 30 seconds, it might be a minute. Time doesn't matter here. Just soften the lower jaw and let the mind drop in the heart of the heart. And think nothing. Even a moment of this experience is an elixir is is the ambrosia that's going to nurture you for the next 24 hours. Time doesn't matter here. That was very powerful.
2: Relaxing, yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed that you have a philosophy, like there's a philosophy for everything. (laughs) It's, it's a, and it's all makes sense. I mean, it, it's so smart. Like, and, and simple, I don't know though. why everybody doesn't live by all these philosophies. You're like, well, if there's things going in your head, just say neti neti. And like, there's an, like, there's an answer for everything. And I, I just am so fascinated
0: by it. This is, this is important the term for philosophy in Sanskrit and I keep coming back to Sanskrit my dear listeners is because there are some terms that simply cannot be replicated or simply cannot be translated. There is just no synonym to it and when when we find synonyms, we lose half the meaning of it. So the real word for philosophy in Sanskrit is darshan and darshan Mm -hmm. is not just something where you're philosophizing an idea. Darshan means having a tangible experience of the truth. So philosophy, which may be understood as just an idea, the word for it is darshan, which means a tangible experience of truth. So if it is not practical, if it is not livable, it is truly not a philosophy. So if we have not yet found ways to live the philosophy, to experience it tangibly, we are missing some connection of the dots. And it may sound so, it may sound like a simple solution, but it's really, really not. It's not dilution. It is not reductionist, but really start prioritizing sleep because the true connections are made when we are sleeping, when we are napping, when we are resting, that is the time when the brain is really digesting all those sensory, emotional experiences and creating some essence, creating some meaning out of it and letting go of that which doesn't serve. Uh, It's funny, but I usually usually call sleep, uh, dreams as the burps of the mind. You know, it's digesting. (laughs) It's digesting your everyday life. So at times we give too much importance even to dreams. We want to understand Oh, don't try to understand everything. It's just let the system do. Everything is not meant to be understood. Otherwise, you would not experience it while sleeping. You know, that is a certain thing that needs to be done in the way. It's everything is at a very, very fast forward pace when we are sleeping. So, it is not following the same linear understanding of time that we experience in our our waking life. So anyways, so those dreams, those burps of the mind are really, really yeah. important. Take them, allow them. <sighs> and it's, it's also worth connecting that in Ayurveda, there is this very important concept, which is called Adharanya Vega, which means, simply means non-suppressible urges. There are 13 such non-suppressible urges. Those non-suppressible urges are uh, sleep, sneezing, Belching, coughing, vomiting, laughter, tears, breathing, Hmm? sleep, Mm. rest, defecation, urination. These are 13 non-suppressible urges. Now, take a moment, my dear listeners, and think about how many among these do we suppress in an everyday life? How many times have you suppressed a yawn? How many times have you suppressed the urge for defecation, urination, hunger? How many times have you suppressed the laughter that wanted to come out, open, bubbling, rippling? How many times have you suppressed your tears and held that lump in the throat? How many times? These are non-suppressible urges. They should be allowed. This is body's intelligence. We suppress them. And then we wonder why so many autoimmune conditions, why the digestive system is not in rhythm, why the hormones are not in rhythm. Well, we are not allowing these non-suppressible urges to express and and sleep and burps are non-suppressible urges. And when you're sleeping and dreaming, you're allowing both. So please take rest and prioritize sleep and prescribe yourself sleep and practice sleep, whether it is in the form of nap, whether it is through the, practice of some guided relaxation, just prioritize sleep, prioritize self-reflection. These are, these are really the pillars that guide our life. Okay. I love, I've never heard of these
1: 13 non-suppressible urges, but I love it. And it just makes so much sense that by not tuning in and being intuitive with our bodies and listening, then it creates havoc in many areas of our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally. Right. And so just listening to these, um, you know, eat when we're hungry. Don't worry about some 14 hour fasting cycle that someone told you you should do, you know, so simple, but obviously hard to implement too. So we're into where can people like, not only find you, but just, I know you have all these amazing training courses. So we want you to use this platform as an opportunity to talk about it. So others can learn and start to, you know, incorporate this into their lives.
0: A simple place would be where I keep up, uh, updating, whether it is the upcoming trainings or any new books that are coming up or even a free library of all articles is my website. It is just like my name, uh, there are There are a couple of books. There are three books that I've written so far the discussion about non-suppressible urges and pranas and doshas and seeing the asanas and pranayama and meditation in the light of doshas. Those those of the listeners who are really intrigued and want to study uh, how yoga and Ayurveda intersect and how can I, while practicing yoga asanas bring in the concept of Ayurveda. There is this book that I published in 2019, which is called Yoga, Ancient Heritage Tomorrow's Vision. It's really a detailed book on that subject. Um, then Soma, 100 Heritage Recipes of Self-Care. That is an e-book, easily, immediately accessible. Mudra, The Sacred Secret, how can we practice every day, you know, some hand gestures to bring a balance of pranas and elements. So there is, there are different ways to learn, either that free library or these books or these trainings. There are two trainings coming up at the end of this year. In September, there is one which is... Uh, three-class series, which is uh, called Self-Care Restore, where it is two-hour classes, and we really go into sleep rituals and restoring rituals. And then there is those who would really like to study about Shavasana. uh, There is a five-day training coming up on that, and five-day, it's a full-day engagement, virtual trainings. So there is so much. uh, I'm just happy, my dear listeners, that Even though I cannot hear you, I got a chance to be with you in some way. And I hope this time benefits you and that uh, the amazing job that Stephanie and Marnie is doing through Art of Living Well podcast, that it helps you. It's a good value to your time. And if we meet again, whether through a book or through a training or through some other platform, what a pleasure, what a delight. And if not, I'm just so happy that we met. Well, thank you so much, Indu. And actually, we there's one more question we
2: like to ask all of our guests before we wrap up. And and everything you just said, we'll link up in the show notes. Also, your how they can find you and your books and everything. So, but um, what does the art of living well mean to you? I know you've given a lot of examples, but if you can explain what
0: it means to you, that would be wonderful. To me, it is something very simple, a superpower that we have and we don't use enough. And that superpower is we do not think enough, we do not question enough. If we think and we question and we stay curious, that is the beginning point of all the changes. But when we make our life as some kind of a race, as some kind of a goal that needs to be achieved in a very certain limited time boundaries, we are missing the point of living the life well question, which means stay curious. This is so important. Don't just give in. Don't just accept answers given by someone. Find them for yourself. Those are your real solutions that will bring true contentment. Use anything else from outside as an inspiration, but the real answers you will find inside you, within you, already there, waiting for you to just look at them. So stay curious which means be inquisitive and take micro doses of pause and reflection. I was passed on this philosophy by my father at a very young age, the art of contemplation. And today I share that with you because that has changed the way I live my life. And I hope that it brings enrichment and fulfillment to your life as well. May that become the art of living well, the micro doses of pause, and staying curious.
1: Oh, that was beautiful. So inspirational. I think we can all take more pauses and reflect and contemplate. So, And and I love how you say that the answers all lie within us. Mm -hmm.
2: It's a good reminder. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Indu, for coming on our show today. It's been a joy having you. I've learned so
0: much. So I wish you all the best. Thank you to the listeners for your time and to both of you and the entire team that puts together all the work. Please accept my greetings and my namaste and lots of love to all of you. Thank you, namaste. Same to you, thank you.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media.
2: If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.